Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. carol and it's a beautiful sentiment that we have every year this idea of a holy infant tender and mild and asleep in heavenly peace you know life gets busy with summer plans and christmas and buying presents and all the hubbub of the season you know and not to mention a post-lockdown fog and a crazy political environment you know peace feels like it's not it's not just a welcome message, but it's actually a real need. And you know, that's true today. And the good news is, is that peace is one of the core themes of Christmas. It makes up part of the Advent season. Uh, and it's as true today as it was back in the time of that first original Christmas. You know, Israel uh, had a prophet called Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied 600 years before Jesus was born that one day a Savior would come. And he said his name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and crucially, he would be the Prince of Peace. Now, Israel needed peace. They had only ever known centuries of, of conflict and slavery and warfare and, you know, being a conquered people and going into exile. So Isaiah's prophecy, it becomes this central theme of hope for them as a nation. This one day, the Savior would be the Prince of Peace. But despite Isaiah's prophecy, Israel continues to just know unrest. You know, they've reestablished themselves, but they're conquered by the Greeks. And then they, they fight this bloody revolution for independence, which ultimately fails, and they're conquered by the Romans. You know, this is why when the angel turns up to announce the birth of Jesus, you know, he echoes the words of the prophet Isaiah. And he says to the shepherds in the field, he says, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth. Goodwill to men. But there was nothing actually very peaceful about the birth of Jesus. I mean, his mother was pregnant and unmarried, and that came with a whole raft of social taboos. Uh, he was born uh, kind of in a stable, on a, on a journey, uh, under a Roman decree and census. Um, he's hunted by King Herod someone who's out there to try and kill him, and he has to flee as a refugee to Egypt to, to escape Herod. And even still as a toddler, his family relocate to, uh, to an unfamiliar land and try and set up life in an unfamiliar place. You know, Jesus needed peace, just as we need peace. Even in his life of ministry, you know, Israel was actually a very turbulent place. There were zealots and attempted revolutions. There was Roman taxation and subjugation and suppression. It was a really hard place to live. And yet in the middle of that, Jesus preaches peace and a message of love and peace. He says, he says don't let your heart be troubled. You know, don't worry about the things that you need because your father is compassionate and loving and he cares for you and he will provide for you. And he encourages us, you know, if you have enemies, 
Do good to them. Bless those who persecute you. Do good to those who oppose you. He says, turn the other cheek. He says, love your enemies. Jesus encouraged us to live in a state of peace. At one key point, Jesus turns to his disciples. It's in John 14, and he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, and I do not give as the world gives. So the first key point that I want to say is that the peace of Jesus is unlike the peace of this world. You see, this world sees peace as the absence of conflict. It's sort of like a a moment of calm and serenity, and it's circumstantial. But the peace of God is about having peace in the middle of the storm, having that calm and that serenity. And it's not conditional. You know, in Psalm 23, he says that he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, that his rod and his staff will comfort us in the middle of that place. And yes, he will lead us to green pastures and still waters, but he takes us through the storm. He doesn't remove us immediately from the valley. At one point, we see the disciples in this amazing story that illustrates this really well. You know, these guys are, they're hardened fishermen. They've lived a life on the seas and they're passing over the Sea of Galilee, which they were very familiar with. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. And the the seas start, you know, the wind picks up and the waves start going crazy. And the disciples are freaking out, convinced they're about to sink and drown. And they cry out to Jesus, you know, don't you care? How can you be sleeping in the storm? You see, Jesus' peace was not circumstantial. He had peace in the middle of the storm. And it's interesting to note that he was willing to sleep through the storm. He didn't decide to calm it until the disciples required him to. The peace of this world is dependent on circumstances. But the peace of Jesus, in the book of Philippians, it says, surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense. It says it will guard our hearts and minds from the circumstances, whatever they are. You know, this is why you can see Paul and Silas worshipping God in prison when they're beaten and chained and bleeding. Why? Because their peace is not dependent on the circumstances. It's anchored in Jesus. This leads me to my second key point, and that's that Jesus is our peace. In John 16, he tells his disciples... In me you may have peace. And Paul clarifies this link between Jesus and the prophesied Prince of Peace in the book of Ephesians. He says, for he himself is our peace. And then again to the Thessalonian church, he says, Now may the peace of God himself give you peace at all times, in every way. Jesus is our peace. Now, all of this is really great, and by far it's the most important thing that we're going to share today. But I suspect that it's probably familiar territory for quite a lot of people watching. So, let's go a little bit deeper. I believe that the peace of Jesus is conditional. Now, that may seem controversial, right? But it's because we live in a place that theologians call the now, but the not yet, a period of time where we are already taking part as believers in the kingdom of God now, but it is not yet in its full manifestation, in its full expression of glory. You know, as a result, I think the peace of Jesus is conditional on two things. Firstly, it's conditional on us embracing and accepting it. 
You know, Jesus preached a message of love and forgiveness and of peace. But he also said, both in Matthew and in Luke, Do not think that I came to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but division. Some translations say, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. How can that reconcile with his message of peace and him being the Prince of Peace? Well, I think the Gospel message is a message of peace. Absolutely, it's about peace and love and forgiveness and generosity, kindness, mercy, all of these things. You know, but one of, even one of the items of the armour of God is the shoes of the Gospel of Peace. It is a Gospel of Peace. But to embrace the gospel of peace is to embrace Jesus. And Jesus is our peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the giver of peace. So that's not in question. But how do we reconcile it? Even though the gospel message is clearly one of peace, it's not always received by all its hearers. You know, sometimes it can cause division, even resistance. John Lennon's song, Imagine, paints this utopian picture of a future where all the evils of the world are gone. And one of the key things he lists as being a, a contributor to war and conflict is religion. And he says, you know, imagine all the people living life in peace. So even Lenin picked up on this idea that religion, even a gospel of peace, can actually also be a cause of division and strife. But it's not the message itself. It's the way it can be received. Because the gospel message, even though it is one of peace, can be rejected by the people that listen to it. It can actually cause division. Uh, there's a, I think there's another example in scripture where Jesus is clearly showing that peace is conditional on the way it's received. Uh, in Matthew and Luke, Jesus sends out his disciples, sort of on a bit of a practice mission, to spread his gospel message. And he says to them, whatever house you go to, the first thing you do is bless it with your peace. And he says, if a person of peace is there to receive it, then it will, be, it will rest on that house. But if they reject it, then the peace will return to you. And Jesus then says, if a house or a town is not receptive to your message of peace, he says, then, you know, shake the dust off your feet and walk away. There's very clearly, both in the Matthew and Luke, this sense that we should offer and extend peace universally to everybody as believers in Jesus that it can be rejected by people. And if it does, that peace seems to not rest with them. It's dependent on them accepting and embracing it. The world at large doesn't have peace. Notice that Jesus even specified in that controversial verse that we mentioned, do not think I came to bring peace to the earth. It's not about bringing peace to the earth, not yet. It's about peace to those who embrace him. Secondly, I want to suggest that peace is conditional on us tuning in. You know, even if we embrace and accept Jesus, it's still a choice to kind of connect the dots and tap into the peace of Jesus that's available to us. You know, it doesn't just throw us in this stupor of perpetual serenity, that we live in this constant state of peace. Sometimes, you know, life gets on top of us. It can be a wrestle, it can be a challenge. And we have to choose to opt into the peace of Jesus. We have to tune in. It's a bit like a present that's always opened and available for us, but we have to reach out and take it. You know, both in Psalms and in 1 Peter, we're encouraged in the Bible to cast our worries onto the Lord or cast our burdens to Jesus because he cares for us. So we're encouraged to do this, but it's not automatic. We've got to tune in. 
It's a decision that we have to make. I know, personally, I've really struggled uh, to find peace in lockdown. Uh, I've actually found it one of the most turbulent and unsettling times internally for me uh, in these weeks of just this unknown and all the change and everything else that's been going on. You know, and I'm a firm believer in Jesus, and yet I have struggled to find peace at times. But I know from my own experience, particularly over the last few weeks, that when I have consciously tuned into the Lord, when I've set time aside and I've created space and I've put on some worship and I've, I've sat down to pray, that when I've connected in with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I have known His peace. I've felt His peace. And I've been able to take my, my, my anxieties and my wrestle and my struggles and all these, these unknowns and lay them at the feet of Jesus and know that He is for me, that He is carrying me. And I have had peace and known that all will be well, despite the storm, the waves, the wind, and everything else, that valley of the shadow of death, I know He will lead me through. And in the meantime, He has been faithful, and He's given me peace. There's a, a really potent example from history that I think illustrates all of these things together. Uh, and it's quite a well-known story, uh, but it's the story of Horatio Spafford. Horatio, Horatio Spafford was a Presbyterian elder and an American lawyer. Uh, and he lost his four-year-old son and much of his business in the Great Fire of Chicago in 1871. Two years later, he was uh, helping D.L. Moody with an evangelistic mission in England. And he had to stay to settle some business things and he sent his family ahead of him. And tragically, the vessel that they were sailing on was shipwrecked and four, all four of his daughters perished. And his wife uh, famously telegrammed from England saying, saved alone. Now Spafford got on another ship and sailed to meet his grieving wife. And as he was passing the same areas of water that his children had just died in, he penned the most moving hymn, and it, it is well with my soul. And among the emotional lyrics is this line, and he says, No pang shall be mine, for in death as in life, Thou will whisper thy peace to my soul. Spafford had peace in the most desperate and trying circumstances you can imagine. And it didn't solve all of his problems, and it didn't heal the pain immediately. But despite the circumstances he was in, that reality that he was in, he knew that God was bigger, and that his peace was still available, and that he could tap into it. He could tune in to the peace of Jesus. But Spafford doesn't stop there. His hymn doesn't finish with this sense of knowing peace in the storm. Instead, his final stanza reads this. He says, And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, a song in the night, O my soul. And this brings me to my final point on peace. Ultimately, Jesus will bring complete peace. Peace will reign. This now but not yet that we talked about only exists because there is also a will be one day. What we call that kind of that act six, that final scene that we see in scripture, the establishment of new heaven and new earth, new creation. You know, Jesus is going to return and he's going to complete the redemption of all things when he does. And when he does that, his title as Prince of Peace will be fully known in the world. 
at that point, it is going to be universal and unconditional. Let's think back again to that prophecy in Isaiah. It continues right after this establishment of, you know, uh, Emmanuel, God with us, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God. He says, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. He will reign over his kingdom, establishing it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. It's this forward-looking establishment of a future hope when all things will be made new and Jesus' peace will reign forever. So with these things in mind, let's reflect on one final verse from Colossians chapter 3. May the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since you were called to peace. So may you know Jesus as your peace. May you embrace and accept his gospel of peace. And as a believer in Jesus, may you tune in to his peace as a reality for you, that it wouldn't be circumstantial, but it would be eternal. And may you have hope that one day Jesus will ultimately make all things new and that his peace will reign forever with him as the Prince of Peace. Bless you this Christmas. Thank you for spending time together as we explored peace and what it means for Advent. I pray that you would have a, a fruitful and blessed season, that you would enjoy your time with family, and that you would feel Jesus close to your hearts as you celebrate the birth of his son. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.